Good evening. Welcome into the Irish NFL show with the night after St. Patrick's Night column. Hope you're feeling nice and fresh like I am. <laughs> <laughs> well, so I had to had to work this morning, so I was I was very sensible. I was done. We we finished recording and I I, I was very sensible after that. And look, I'm drinking coffee tonight. It's a bit late for that. I'll, I'll bring Brian and Mark in here, boys, very quickly. It was, just watch that show back last night and tell me how many pints were necked during the show with Paul Pabst. Never in my life, boys. Mental. Oh. I assume you're just talking about yourself and not the rest of us, yeah? Oh, you too. Oh, okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> uh, Mark, all good? Welcome in. Oh, great, lads. Yeah, all good. I'm nice and fresh, Mark, and everything, sure. Lovely, lovely day yesterday. Lovely day at work ahead today. It's all good. It's all good. Nice and fresh. All good, happy days. Uh, look, I tell you what, we'll get, we'll get down to the chat in a second. We're delighted to welcome in a special guest tonight from not just Talk Sport over uh, well here in the UK, up in the north here, but also boys, Gridiron. Biggest NFL magazine in the UK and Ireland. It's great to have Will, Will on. Will, welcome to the show, man. How's it going? Look, boys, having me on the night after you've been downing pints is pretty disappointing. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. Like, oh yeah, it's the hangover guy. Brilliant, thanks. I appreciate it. No, uh, genuine pleasure. Thank you for having me on. No, look, welcome on. It's, it's good to have you on. Uh, well, I ask everybody this, so I'm going to ask you. I know you're over, like, I think you're living in London there. Any Irish heritage? You're going to mean Gavin's a pretty Irish surname? Two separate Irish grandparents, one from either side. I'm the most Irish-looking man on this call, let's be honest. <laughs> <laughs> I might not sound like it, but, I, you know, I have been mistaken for an Irishman on my travels many occasions. So, yeah, proudly got some Irish heritage. Well, you've got a bit of the Andy Daltons about your will, obviously. So. Um, thanks. Uh, this is... I, I, I knew we were going to come on here and have a crack. There we go. Try to be, get a bit of the lingo. Uh, but hey. Honestly, uh, I didn't know I was coming in to get insulted. For, so the second time, very quickly, is, is, is astonishing. <laughs> Andy Dalton looks immaculate. If Andy Dalton played as well as he looks, there, there'd, be no, there'd be no issues. Uh, I, saw, I saw his Chicago Bears photo earlier and I was like, is that, is that Johnny Bravo? Because he's got the, the quiff going on at the moment. But Will, can you talk to us, I suppose, a little bit for, for our viewers who, and I'm sure most people would be familiar with you with Great Iron, but like, how did you get interested in the sport? So uh, my old man was working out in San Francisco, like worked for a company based out there and was out there for maybe three or four months of the year. And I had a bit of a, an interest in the NFL, you know, classic kind of child of the 90s, child of the noughties, watched some Super Bowls, watched like the occasional bit. It was more about having a laugh, watching it, a bit of the pomp and circumstance. It was only really when I started going out to the States that I really latched on and really kind of became involved in it. Went to university, started watching... Well, back then, just Sundays and Mondays and eventually Thursdays as well, uh, week in, week out, and just became absolutely obsessed and completely fell in love with it. And then when I moved down to London in 2012 and started at TalkSport, I met one other guy in the office then who liked the NFL, and he's the guy who's still co-hosting my podcast with me now. So, yeah, it's uh, it used to be. It's much wider now. A lot more people are into it, as you guys know. But, yeah, it used to be very much if you could find one person that loved the sport that you loved, you would latch onto them immediately. And so, yeah, I, I couldn't I couldn't not cover the NFL while I was there doing football, while I was there doing rugby and cricket and everything else. I was like, we're going to be pushing the NFL. It's going to get big here. And you know, a few years later, we've broadcast the last few Super Bowls. We've had the, the live rights for the weekly games and, and it's been fantastic. So that's a very, very abbreviated version of the last 15, 20 years, I guess. 
Well, I just put from our point of view, the show, Rick, we started this in October and we've been totally take, taken back by the support and the interest even on the show. And we've been fortunate to have some great guests. And imagine you've had a few good guests in your time on, on your uh, podcast as well. You say that, like the level of professionalism in what you guys do is absolutely sensational, like to a point of it being ridiculous. And, you know, we've been going for, like I said, I, I started that podcast in 2012 and we're still nowhere near anything like this setup you guys have got. It, you, you say like you just started back in October, but it's amazing the level you guys have got to and clearly the dedication that you guys have to get to there. I'm in like a little, um, a little 49ers fan group with uh, a couple of, of guys from Ireland who uh, have been out on gridiron tours with us and done the stuff out there. And uh, they were the ones that first told me about you guys. And I wasn't necessarily aware of you. I think I'd seen some stuff on Twitter, etc. But I'm so bad with social media uh, and tracking stuff and following people back. And, and Connor and Justin were like, you should check these boys out. They've got Mina Kimes on this week. They've got someone else amazing on this week. They've got, And so, you know, I was... I was impressed by the level of stuff you guys get. We get lucky because we go out to the Super Bowl, because we go out and, and cover these events with TalkSport. So you kind of walk into good stuff when you're doing things like that. But, yeah, I mean, the first couple of years, we were never getting any guests like the quality you had. I remember the first time we got Morton Anderson on, and we were like, oh, my God, we're getting an actual, like, at that time, future Hall of Famer on it. It was a really huge deal to us. And he's still, he's one of the best guests that you'll ever get on, and, I remember finally meeting him when we were out in Houston for Super Bowl 49, no, 51, 52. Uh, and we bumped into him in the bar after the game. And that's when he'd been confirmed in the Hall of Fame was that weekend. Uh, and he not only remembered doing our show from like four years earlier. We did keep him on for like an hour, to be fair. But uh, he bought a round of tequilas for like all of us and the guys from TalkSport and proceeded to tell us all the same stories about kicking and his career again and and that was, he was definitely one of the best early doors. But yeah, nothing can You guys, sensational what you guys doing. That's, that's super kind of you, Will, and thanks for that. Um, and, uh, you know, you mentioned Morn Anderson. I imagine he was 51 with his Falcons connections, obviously one of the legendary point scorers in the NFL, great player. But I have to ask, you you know, disclose there, and I know people who listen to you and watch you, you know, well aware you're a 49ers fan. But you mentioned you got into it when your dad was out in San Fran. I'm wondering, did you get a chance to visit Candlestick back in the day? Uh, when I go out to SC, I kind of see the new Levi Stadium, which is beautiful. Um, but it's not the same as the old, you know, vintage Candlestick and the memories that were there, obviously, for 49ers fans. What, what's the policy for, for swearing on this, guys? Just so uh, you know. Well, you do, do you know what? Well, I'll, I'll just say it now. In the South... You can basically say shite on the radio and you get away with it. Obviously, in Northern Ireland, it's a whole big, like, you can't. So, I, like, we'll say that's probably the line. Right. We're after the In which case, yes, I did go to Candlestick, a place of history, of wonder, one of the, my favourite places in the world, but it was an absolute shite hole. Like, it was... Uh, the place it was in, the the weather coming in off the bay, the travelling there, the quality of the stadium itself, like it, you can see why they went and built somewhere new. And do I wish they did somewhere in the city? And you know, we saw obviously the, the beautiful new baseball stadium there that the Giants built, and now uh, now with the the, the basketball team coming across, the Warriors coming across, yeah, from uh, from the other side of the bay. Like it shows that maybe you can build one in the city. Levi's is stunning, but there was that little bit of something about about Candlestick. We once did a Sunday night where this was a, a really weird one because the Raiders were playing the Chargers on like Sunday night night football because the A's were in the playoffs. They were playing like a, 
a game that was nighttime West Coast. I think it kicked off here in the UK at like 4.30, 5 o'clock in the morning our time. Like you could wake up and watch most of the game. And so we went to 49ers Texans on Sunday night football, stayed till the end of the third quarter, at which point Vernon Davis caught like a touchdown that put them about 30 points clear. And like, right, if we get on the end, if we get on the bar now, we can get across and we can be at, uh, the Coliseum by the start of the second quarter, we managed to get there, get tickets to like lower bowl, really decent seats, really cheap because the game had already started. But the Raiders fans had been there since the early kickoffs, which is like 10 a.m. on the West Coast. And if you give Raiders fans from like, they've probably been there since 8 a.m. in the morning. So the kickoff is like 8 p.m. local time. You're already two quarters. Like they had to shut the bars by the end of the first quarter. I have never seen a drunker crowd than that in my life. And I, you know, I've been to GAA games. I've been out to stuff in Ireland. And you guys have got a reputation. But honestly, never seen anything like that in my life. And two great stadiums, which won't be in the NFL anymore. And it's a real shame because they've got proper history, even though both of them were a bit crumbling by the end. You, you, you mentioned that, Will. I'm, I'm thinking of the infamous or famous, if you're uh, a UK, Ireland, European supporter. Um, I think it was Chargers game, which was delayed due to lightning storms. So you actually woke up. And I think, and Brian will correct me, because I remember me and him were texting about it at the time. But you woke up and the game only kicked off at 6 a.m. our time. So you're watching NFL on Game Pass going into work in the morning. It was, it was a glorious experience. I think it was a Monday night game that got delayed and... Uh, they hated it in America. We loved it over here. I just remember that from a few years ago. I imagine you guys are the kind of guys a bit like me where you're watching it on Game Pass on the way into work anyway, regardless of whether it's live or you've downloaded a couple of games from the night before. So, yeah, it's it was pretty cool, though. Another one that springs to mind is uh, the Steelers against the Dolphins. I think it was it was delayed by two and a half hours and the game got played, started at quarter past five in the morning. and It finished 3-0. To the Steelers. <laughs> <laughs> you kind of can't blame that, can you? You kind of got to say, yeah, I, I'd probably not put in that much effort if I'd be in that situation. Look at that. I'm actually going to jump on what Will said about Candlestick Park. It is. It was a bit of a shadow, like I'm not going to lie. Like, I went, Will, was it two months or three months before it was being demolished? So like the last tour, they literally didn't care. I probably could have stole a seat. Nobody would have asked anything. Dirt in the tunnel. I'm actually, you know what? I'm going to embarrass myself. I, I made this when you were talking. This is what I used to look like back in the day before I got very. Uh, I basically ran on the field, had a ball, started kicking. I went mad for about an hour. There was nobody else there. I probably should, but the history though was incredible. And um, I know it's sort of outside the city, but it's not on like Levi's. I mean, Levi's is like ridiculous. Like having to get a taxi to the airport to get. Them. So I went a couple of times when I was kind of in my late teens and I went with my dad and I saw games there. But when we went back for that tour, that was the first time I'd been out and watched games with my buddies. And, and it was me and it was Ollie who does the podcast, which is now Gridiron. It used to be called Tuesday Morning Football back then for people who are real old school and were listening to us then. A guy called James Dixon, we used to do it with a few of our other mates went out there we were staying in a hostel in like the roughest part of san francisco you know barely scraping by finding the cheapest places to eat and drink but because it was like because it was the the first time i'd been there with that kind of atmosphere we we ended up the game was a blowout from a moment one i, I think i want to say that 
it was Matt Shah, but he was picked off for a pick six, maybe the second or third play of the game. And that was it. It was it was done from there. So we were like uh, touring around the stadium, sneaking into the different bits and just being like, you realize that like that's where Montana started the drive from. You realize that that's like there's so many phenomenal moments from the 80s and the 90s. You've only ever seen the NFL film stuff from. And and I, I, that's for me. It's the same with the Coliseum. We, we went for what? ended up being not their last season there, but we thought was going to be their last season there. And it was part of our tour. And, and me and Ollie went there weirdly to see them play the Chargers again. I don't know why I've been there twice and both times it's been for that particular matchup. But by that point, we were working for Talk Sport. We were doing some coverage for the game. We specifically had um, a thing we did with Derwin James where he did, he was the cover star for Gridiron. And we went down and he, we did like a follow-up piece and he signed some magazines for us. And I'm actually pretty sure they're around here somewhere, but I have no idea where in the boxes of rubbish that surround me. But um, it is like going out onto the field and knowing that the place was shutting down. And even though it was crap, it was... Kind of, I got a little bit emotional. They're not even my team, but I, like, I, I really get attached to things like that. Like I'll say, in fact, the only picture I've got on my wall in my study is of Elm Park, the awful, awful football ground that Reading used to play at before they moved to the still pretty awful Wadeski Stadium. Uh, it is. Uh, we've not been long moved here, and uh, yeah, I'm yet to get all the other artwork up on the wall. I think the worst thing about new stadiums is the the names that they uh, that they have. They've lost that that kind of uh, majesty that they they had. But we've talked about some of the the vintage NFL moments. Um, but will if we were to to look at the the way in the game has changed and you know um, all action, all offense. Am I right in thinking that you went to that now infamous Rams Chiefs game on a Monday night a couple of years ago? I feel like an episode of This Is My Life here. I hope this is in any way interesting to your listeners. But yes, I was at that game. It was pure luck. It was um, the same tour we were at that Raiders game. And we ended up in LA. We, we started off in San Francisco. We went up to Seattle and we did Seahawks Packers Thursday night football, which is the loudest stadium and and like including Super Bowls, the loudest I've ever heard a stadium in my life. Went down into the lower bowl and... We were chatting to Seahawks fans. Obviously, I was incognito. I didn't go wearing like my George Kittle jersey or anything. But I was just chatting to some people and everyone had earplugs in. Everyone was like, yeah, you will ruin your hearing if you're down in this part of the part of the action. And, and it, I, it was a cacophony. But we went down and we did. There was a Chargers game on the Saturday. And we actually we were going down and doing some bits with the, um, the around the NFL guys. We had some some plans with them went out for some drinks with them on on the sunday and then we were flying back monday and the plan was the game was in mexico we couldn't afford to go to mexico as well a few guys on the tour had, had actually booked themselves to fly to mexico and fly back but and me and ollie were like not on the money we earn mate sorry but we'd love to be there and i think it was around the wednesday thursday they announced that that game's gonna have to be moved back it's gonna have to be moved back to la and we're like, what time's our flight leave Right, left at like 8 p.m., 9 p.m. in the evening. Could we go for the first half and then leave again? Yeah, we might make the airport if we do that. Looked into changing the flights. It ended up costing us between the flight changes. And I'm going to make sure my wife's not actually listening to this. Between the flight changes and the hotel, and we couldn't get press passes because, you know, woe is me, first world problems and everything. But there were so many Mexican press traveling for it that we couldn't get press passes. So we had to buy tickets as well. It probably cost nearly a grand just to extend the trip by a day and you're like if this game is terrible we are in real trouble here 
And we went and we actually, we went and met um, Lakeisha in the, the, the guys were doing some bits from there, but we went and met her in the, um, in the tailgate beforehand. And we went and got a bit drunk. And it was the first time I'd been to the game as a fan in probably five years at that point, not working in any capacity. And I just let loose and it ended up being the greatest from a scoring perspective game in the history of the NFL. And you're like, worth absolutely every single penny extra we spent on it. And it'll be one of those things that I'll happily tell that story now and I'll tell it again till the day that I die. And uh, my one of my very closest buddies, Adam, is a huge LA Rams fan. Uh, and going back to the St. Louis days and everything as well, I managed to buy him a Rams poncho from some knockoff guy going around the tailgate, which is the most unique, cheaply stitched rubbish item ever. And it is pride of place on his wall. And there's a picture of me at that game wearing that because I'm so drunk and a little bit cold that I have never lived down as a 49ers fan. Uh, but yeah, it was a sensational night. And it was a good game of football, obviously, as well. But it was all the stuff around it just made it really special. The sheer horror, lads, waking up the next morning, Brian. Waking up the next morning for me seeing that scoreline because I didn't watch it. Brian was a yeah, and we all thought we were going to get a repeat of that Super Bowl and then the course the Patriots have to intervene as per, as per normal and beat the Chiefs that season in the championship game and we went from having probably, arguably probably could have been one of the best Super Bowls you could remember to uh, Rams uh, Patriots 10-3 yeah hey hey 13-3 they did add an extra field goal come on guys give them some credit 13-3 um, Will, your story kind of reminds me of a very underhanded story I had with my wife when we went to a friend's wedding in Florida and she was pushing me to go to, for us to go to New York on the back end of that trip. And I said, yeah, OK, we'll go up and we'll, we'll fly home on the Saturday and we'll start back work on, on the Monday. But I knew all along the Giants were playing at home to the Packers on the Sunday. So about six or seven weeks before the holiday, I said, I've just realised the Giants are playing at home. Do you mind if we swapped it over and we came back a couple of days later? And she said, Okay, because we're going to be in New York and the Giants are at home, we better do it. So, cost me about six hundred euro. But then when we got there, she kind of went, "You always had this. You always had this plan, didn't you?" I said, "Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, yeah." <laughs> Why not? Why not? I, I, I actually I, enjoyed it. We had it um, again. It was one we got really lucky with, but we were going out to the states. It's so weird to think about traveling now at this point after the last twelve months we've had, isn't it? But. Uh, we were going out for Christmas and New Year's to visit. I've got friends out in San Francisco now who have moved out there. And we were going out and we were visiting them and we were going down to LA and again seeing the guys. And and it just so happened that we had the Sunday night football rights and the 49ers Seahawks game on Sunday night football, the one that ended on the half inch line tackle, got moved to Sunday night football. And same thing, how much would it cost us to fly to Seattle? Can I justify TalkSport paying for it if I do the game live from in stadium? Can I cotch enough equipment off like radio guys we know that work for the teams that we've kind of got friendly with over the years? And it's it's super lucky. The guy who is like the broad head of broadcast PR for the for the Seahawks, what that was, uh, is also like the guy that organizes all the radio row tables every year at the Super Bowl. So we've kind of we've taken him drinking a couple of times and become really chummy with him. And he set me up with the equipment I needed and the room I needed. And so I convinced Sarah, yeah, you know, little two-day trip up to Seattle. It'll be lovely. You get to see the city. We can go out. Um, and she came to the game because it was the first time she'd ever come on a press pass. She got to go and do the pre-game when they come out onto the field, on the field where all the that kind of group of VIP fans and stuff get to stand. And being able to do cool stuff like that for 
people is is like an absolute thrill for me to get her to see her reaction to that. And again, something she'll always remember. And we won. That was the most important thing. And went to the Super Bowl and lost again. Well, well, I have to say, love, loving the stories, loving the description of the, the, the Rams-Chiefs game. I and mean, they only had 102 more points than the 3-0 game Brian thought and that was the Dolphins. <laughs> I also love the fact that you've done what I think every American football fan in Europe, and certainly the four of us have all done at some point, which has just gone, well, the wife can't hear this story, right? Because <laughs> of the amount of money I spent on it. It, it yeah. does remind me, actually, Brian and I have, have known each other, we've been friends for a long time, and he at one point had lined up this amazing trip whereby we were going to go to Foxborough on the Sunday night. The schedule came out, planned it all out, Foxborough on the Sunday night, drive, get the train down to New York for a Giants game on the Monday night, um, you know, stay a couple of days, fly back, you know, it's about four days in all, very reasonable, getting tickets sorted. And I remember I came in, we were working together at the time, I came into work and I said to him, I said, look, mate, um, that's not going to happen. My wife's expecting that week, actually, now. And we just found out on dates. I think his expression was, could you not have left her alone or something like that? It was like, how can you do this to me? It was surely a priority. Um, and I also love you mentioned about the names of stadiums, and Michael brought it up. I remember last season we were doing a graph. I think Michael was doing up a graphic for the uh, the Seahawks being at home, and I said to him, "So like, oh no, that's Lumen Field now." And he was like, "What? What's it called now?" It's like, so you know, it always changes. You lose what, kind of that history the, in ways. You know, what's the Chiefs Stadium called now? Haven't they just given it a ridiculous new name, which is it's the worst name I ever heard. Yeah, I, I I was trying to just remember it now, but yeah, I, I it's all a nonsense. Everyone, those great stadiums, people are always going to remember. It's, I think what's weird with the Seahawks though is obviously that stadium, that stadium wasn't Century Link when it first opened, but I now because that was when their period of success was. I now think of it as the Clink is Century Link. That's what the yeah. stadium's called, and it's weird that even though it's a sponsor name, I think that'll always be what's attached to it. It's the Gay Half Field at Arrowhead Stadium. There you I go. mean, what? The, yeah, <laughs> but like you say, it's always going to be called something different by the fans. So, you know, it's always going to be Arrowhead to them. They're just going to, you know, deal with the sponsor differently. Or, as in CenturyLink, when the sponsor themselves change their name, then you have to deal with that output. There are places in Dublin like the Point Theatre, it will still be known as the Point or the O2, but it's now the Three Arena because O2 rebranded, for example. So, Point Depot, or the Point Depot, of course it was. So, Will, I do want to, um, wait a sec, what's that noise? Beep, beep. Oh, no, no, it's not Colin Cronin backing up. It's actually the Brings truck backing up for Trent Williams because we will turn the conversation a little bit to free agency and it would not be fair to start with other than the biggest free agency deal so far which is the biggest O-line contract ever awarded if we go by average per year um, Will, there's many many deals to talk about there's a few we haven't talked about even though we've been live every night this week and Trent Williams at 138.06 million over six years the biggest paid O-lineman of all time by average per year David Bakhtiari was slagging him on Twitter to say <laughs> you had to go 10 grand over me you petty I know you called him a few names, but he was uh, in good faith uh, and good fun kind of taking the mick out of him. Um, do you know what his cap it, by the way, boys, is in 2021? For, for, for 2021, $8 million. Come oh, on! Yeah. Uh, if there's an ultimate pushing things into the future. But look, 
the thing is, is, and I think you're obviously seeing a lot of teams do this this season. The 49ers have already done it with Juszczyk. They've done it with Williams. And, and I think a lot of other teams will do the same. They've just announced today some of the new broadcast deals that ESPN and Disney are getting added to the Super Bowl. How much are they paying extra for that? I think that we see the cap reduced this year, but next year you see it go above 200 million for the first time. And it'll be 210, 220, 225 within the next five years. I mean, it means that those teams who don't behave sensibly, that you get annoyed about that somehow, like the Rams, how on earth are they managing to pull off what they've pulled off over the last few years in terms of, and I'm not just saying that as a divisional rival, I just see the contracts that they're just giving out left, right and centre. And it's astonishing with the dead money they're taking on as well, that they can still even be operating. And yet you look into the future and you think, okay, Trent Williams is, is going to be paid a lot when he gets to year three, year four. But so many of these deals nowadays are really two year deals with a good amount of guaranteed money. And then beyond that, there's always a bit of a get out. Um, I, I, Trent Williams came to us on a bit of a prove-it deal on a year, proved he was still an all-pro level left tackle. We still need to figure out the situation at centre because I think missing Western Richburg last year was a huge reason for, for our problems alongside obviously losing a quarterback and, and Kittle for so many games. And have, yeah, We missed the most games of any team in the NFL. I'm sure you're all aware of that at this point, the most starts of any team in the NFL. But he looking, he's looking like he's going to retire. They bring in Alex Mack on this on this deal that I think they'll draft a centre. I honestly do. And there's a couple of guys in the draft this year, kind of zone-style centres that I think look like they might be really interesting. I'm luckily enough to have uh, a... I, I Simon Clancy, if people aren't familiar with him, is the college expert for Gridiron Magazine and does the podcast and stuff with us as well. And for me, I don't know anyone in the UK or Ireland who I trust more on college football stuff. He just hit hit after hit after hit. He was telling me Drake Jackson of Kentucky, a guy called Drew DeMezia of Stanford. Those are the guys I should be looking out for as like zone centers. I know that that's the real sexy side of the draft people want to be talking about is where are we going to pick up a zone center? But I don't know. I'm feeling a lot better about this team than I was five or six days ago. That's for sure. Well, we need to talk about one topic. Sorry, Mark. We, we, we have to talk about one topic in the show, and if we don't, we're going to really hate ourselves. The Patriots. Oh! I don't know because Brian hates that video. Uh, <laughs> well, <laughs> How can you hate? It's Stone Cold Week. How can you hate anything that uses the glass? <laughs> Look, I'll say this. The Patriots have spent probably more than the UK spent on maybe PPE over the last year in the, in the last five I, I joke, in the last five days. Man, they've really pulled it out of the water. Bill Belichick clearly going for it. Anything that's maybe stood out to you over the last couple of days with, with the Patriots or have you just been shot as shocked as everybody else? Yeah, look, I think there were there are some clear thing there are some <laughs> I'm really sorry. I'm really sorry. I loved it. <laughs> He's just going to do it every time I start getting into a flow now, isn't he? And there, look, last year just about with me. They drafted two tight ends in the first third round last year, and yet they're now giving the two biggest contracts to guys not named Kelsey or Kittle in the NFL, both on their teams, tight ends. There are clear indications, guys like Nelson Aguilar who haven't worked elsewhere, that are moves that look like desperation moves from the outside, certainly. Bill Belichick is someone who I refuse to 
underestimate because I've done it before with him and I've done it before with Brady and I've gone to these games where I've said, yeah, but the, you know, the Falcons just look like so much of a better team than them top to bottom and you just know they're going to pull something out. And we said the same about the Rams and we said the same about the Seahawks. And it's just, I just can't write them off, but this doesn't look like... There's been a lot of talk over the last couple of years speaking to people around the organization, like guys that cover it very closely, saying that within the draft room, within the scouting, Bill Belichick over the last couple of years has become a little bit tyrannical. He kind of comes in on draft days like, yeah, well done. You've done a lot of great work, but I'm going to pick the guy I want to pick and that's you're going to have to deal with it. And I feel like he might be doing a little bit of the same here. He's just gone, look, we've got this cap space. I'm not happy with what happened last year. Let's go out and start throwing money around like nobody's business. I think they knew that that uh, Patrick Chung was going to retire, which is why they they gave so much money to Mills because he's so movable. But yeah, I, none of these make me turn around and go, yeah, they are suddenly maybe Matthew. Jude, I like Matthew Judon a lot. Outside of that, there's no one who screams at me as someone that is going to turn this team into an immediate contender after what I saw last year. They were lucky to be a seven-win team last season. Well, we we have seen in the past where players have gone into the Patriots that. You know, you are top top notch players and they fit a system and they do a great job and they have two or three really good, you know, seasons with the Patriots. They go off somewhere else, get paid, and they're just not the same player. So that you know, as much as the wide receivers haven't done a lot over the past few years, you could still see a scenario where they come in, fit the system and have productive seasons from Yeah, and that's it. I he they are you know, it's all the same. All the same cliches you've heard about that team time and time again, like the ultimate situational football team. He is a phenomenal coach. They, he does get players playing for him in a way that you wouldn't imagine other people managing to do. I, I can remember like a guy like, I look back at the, the team that he put together for, say, that Falcon Super Bowl, and there were a couple of defensive players he brought in on that run. Um, you know, free agents that he signed late in the season from teams like the Titans and stuff who had already fallen off. And they turned into productive players for them in the playoffs. And you were just looking at it and going, how do you do this time and time and time again? But I feel like with the cap going down and with so many cuts this year, I, I love teams that are bringing their own guys in. I'm going to say that because that's what my team have done. But I think if you're actually looking at most positions of need, the teams that are going to look smart when we get to the season, those teams that are going to wait, have that flooded market and be able to get guys super cheap. And you are. There are going to be some amazing veterans going on ridiculously cheap prove-it deals this year and improving teams that were smart enough to wait around. And New England weren't that team this year, and that's normally they're normally the, the shining example of that team. So that's what kind of stunned me about it. But I'm not surprised to see Bill Belichick react and lash out because it's mm. what he does. Look, I mean, uh, I will say, Will, as a Pats fan, they needed to do something. They needed to do something dramatic. And certainly from the Pats' perspective, at least addressing the tight end position, which he's almost refused to do in the last few years, because the Azai and the Dalton King picks, obviously, last year have not panned out. I think today he, uh, there was a trade advisor, uh, um, Ryan Izzo, to the Texans for a low-round pick. But... Uh, that's one of the more reassuring things. Is like, okay, you, you're actually going to try and do something about it. That's that's helpful. And if there's anything in this world that stops Bill Belichick drafting a defensive back in the second round, everyone who's ever supported the New England Patriots will thank the world forevermore. 
because he will overdraft yet another D back in the second round and will cry. I know first world problems, guys. I know most teams don't even have a proper quarterback, so you know that's uh, that's a problem. The Patriots don't. Uh, have yeah, a you don't have a proper quarterback. Yeah, By the way, yeah whoever I'm, aware invited me, I'm aware of that. Whoever invited me on the call didn't tell me there was a Patriots fan here. This he, is unacceptable. Uh, I thought Garoppolo might end back, and I really thought he might end up back in New England. And I actually think if they'd had a crack at one of the guys that they did really like in this in this window, then there was every opportunity that that would have happened. I think that's where he would have ended up if the 49ers had found somebody. I still think there's a there's a chance if if somebody either falls to them or to a few spots above them, they can move up. I'm not going to be stunned to see you know if someone like Trey Lance falls, if someone of that nature comes to them and they are they can look for somebody to bring in as cheap rookie competition for Garoppolo who could take the starter's job. I, I fully imagine that. But I, I think they genuinely believe that Garoppolo can run that system. And you see performances like the performance in New Orleans on the Super Bowl year, and you go, there's a good quarterback in there, but it's just a good quarterback who appears to be made of glass and prone to mistakes. And I, I can understand why everyone else has huge question marks over yeah, it's it's going to be very interesting because the the I as a Broncos fan, I saw the Broncos in 12, 13, 14 spend huge money in free agency, but that was with Peyton Manning. I saw the Bucks last year bring in Tom Brady and then spend big money. If you have a franchise QB spending that money, but if you're the Jets or the Jaguars over recent years, you don't have the franchise QB, then it's all wasted. So let's see what happens with the, the Patriots. But I suppose looking around the, the rest of the, the league and kind of what's um, gone on with, is there any anything else that, that has stood out to you or any team that you thought might have made more moves that, that haven't? I mean, nothing that screams off the page yet because I think that we are talking about Exactly what I was just saying. I think I want to look at what happens in two weeks' time when a lot of these top guys have come off the board. And then I can say to myself, you know, actually, I really like the moves that X, Y, or Z made. I, I like what the Jets have done so far. Um, I think Carl Lawson had, took a huge step up last season. And they're not a team who have done well in free agency in recent years. If we talk about Le'Veon Bell and Tremaine Johnson and CJ Mosley, like guys that have struggled. Um, if CJ Mosley comes back and is healthy and the guy he was in Baltimore and they've already got Carl Lawson there and they've brought in someone like, you know, uh, Corey Davis in there as well, who can immediately help out on that side of the ball with, they keep on hold of the guys they've got there. They get a good quarterback at the top of the draft and, you know, I'm a big Robert Sala guy. That shouldn't be a surprise to anyone. They're a team who it feels like could turn things around pretty, pretty sharpish. I love the Corey Lindsay move to uh, to Los Angeles. Uh, you know, Justin Herbert, as much as he wasn't, you know, Joe Burrow levels of on his ass last year. They are losing tackles there. They are losing members of the line, and so they've gone and got, I think, the best centre available and in the conversation for the best centre in the NFL this year. Um, those are the ones that kind of immediately jump out at me. Oh, and Fitzmagic going to Washington because, I mean, even if they go and draft somebody like they probably should, it's the best bridge guy that the NFL's maybe ever seen, let alone available right now. The Jets have also signed uh, Keelan Cole, the wide receiver from the Jags. This there you go. Oh, yeah, just tonight. Yeah, another yeah. one. Productive enough, you know, so certainly revamping the offense as quickly as they, as they can for a new quarterback potentially. Yeah, I think that's definitely where they go too, isn't it? That's got to be where they go, surely. Unless they 
pull off something ridiculous with the Sean Watson trade. They are still the one team that I think has the assets to do it. But as we get ever closer to the draft, well, we're only a couple of weeks away now. You start to think, is it even going to happen? So, Will, I mean, you mentioned Fitzmagic. And he's glorious. I said that Josh McCown and Ben Roethlisberger hold my beer. Um, this is my gig. I, I do this for multiple teams. He's, <laughs> assuming he starts for Washington, it's 30% of the team's in the NFL, he would have started a game for, which is, you know, nine out of 32. It's just bizarre. But, but for a quarterback, point, that is phenomenal. Like, you see it with defensive backs, you see it with receivers, you see it with special teamers, but linemen as well. But as a quarterback, that's ridiculous. I know. And McCown, McCown actually was on, I think, 11 teams, but obviously didn't start for them all. But, like, Fitzmagic is, hey, he's a Harvard grad, if you hadn't heard from, like, what? every single TV broadcast he's ever been, every game he's been in. So he's a smart cookie. But I want to get your thoughts. You were talking about, you know, the sexy side of zone center bl uh, blocking and protection and everything. So let's draw attention to one of the other big stories in free agency, which isn't actually a team necessarily who signed the right players, but suddenly let go of some players. We all saw the Super Bowl a few weeks ago. Um, Kansas City Chiefs didn't have an offensive line that was capable of protecting with Patrick Mahomes. Shock horror, they only put up nine points in the Super Bowl. Fast forward a couple of weeks, they go, ah, Mitchell Schwartz, Eric Fisher, we don't need you anymore. And yes, they have drafted, oh, sorry, drafted, they've brought in the free agency Joe Tooney, who I do believe was the best guard available in free agency. They've also just got Kyle Long out of retirement. And for Chiefs fans to think, oh, that's fine, he can play tackle. Yes, he did play 16 games at tackle and did make the Pro Bowl at tackle, but he also mostly started in guard. And his last four seasons for retirement involved IR, 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 and what was he doing? Oh, yeah, IR again. So if you're now expecting him to be a starting tackle, that's interesting. I mean, seriously, I mean, you're, you're a man who's in the detail as well. What, I mean, other than obviously draft players, what do they do? And, you know, can they construct a meaningful line, especially at those two absolutely critical tackle positions? Well, it sounds like they they did a bit of a restructure on Mahomes' contract again and figured out a way to create a bit of cap space for this year. Like we said, that's what a lot of teams are going to have to do this year. And I think he makes up for a huge amount of that. I know we've just seen the Super Bowl where not having starting tackles cost them in a big way. But, you know, actually, I think against 28, 29 teams in the NFL – He's the kind of player who can get away with having average tackle play because he's got great pocket presence. He obviously has great movement when he escapes the pocket and does all of those ridiculous things. I mean, we all saw the diving throw to the end zone. We all saw those plays that he made, you know, the most spectacular incompletions in NFL history in that Super Bowl because of the pressure he was under. Um, I love, I, I actually, I, I think Kyle Long, when he was at his best, was a Pro Bowl level right guard, even right tackle as well. And so if the year out and if the time off retiring has meant that his body has healed up and he's got back to a point where he can be properly productive again, I think like you saw it with Gronk down the stretch last year. I think they saved him for the playoffs, but you saw that he was as physically imposing as he's ever been once he bulked back up after kind of losing the weight for, for WWE and everything that went along with that. He looked absolutely insane. He looked phenomenal. So... If Kyle Long can do that, and on the other side, I mean, you already mentioned it, they signed one of the best guards, if not the best guard available in free agency. Like a guy who I thought, that the, I genuinely thought the Patriots were trading him last year when they franchise tagged him, was amazed he stayed there. 
I think there's enough ta tackle talent if they go early on tackles in this draft. It does drop off quite horribly after the second round that they can do something patchy with it. There's a couple of guys available in free agency still that are out there, but with the amount of talent they've got elsewhere there, there's no way that they shouldn't compete this year. And they're bringing all those coaches back again. It's it's People are writing them off quickly because of one bad night, and I'm not ready to be there yet. Yeah, and, and Carl Long is obviously backing that they will come back and win a Super Bowl, otherwise he remains the Cooper Manning of the Long family. <laughs> yeah. uh, I will tell one more boring story if you want, and then uh, before you send me on my way. I, uh, I, one of the first years I was covering the NFL, it was like 2013, and I think the Dolphins were over, and I went and we did we did some of the coverage down there. They they train one of the places they do is the hotel where the England rugby team train and use the facilities there. And we went down and we did some stuff and and uh, TD was over with the NFL Network team doing some stuff and we got an interview with him and it was like being the being only my second year doing it professionally meeting these guys that was the, just a you know, we interviewed um, uh, Rob Woodson that day because he was with the Raiders and it was just like you know as a kind of young guy just starting in the industry it was mind blowing. But um, a, a guy that worked for us pulled out of going to an event at the House of Commons, uh, like a parliamentary dinner. They have an all-parliamentary group for, weirdly, for the for American football. And they put on an event there. And I was like, okay, I got invited. Yeah, that sounds pretty cool. It'll be a bunch of journalists. It'll be a couple of MPs. They'll want to pick our brains and stuff. And I get there and I get to my table. And sitting at my table is Terrell Davis and Mark Duplass. And sitting at the table next to us is Howie Long. And we'd just been out on that same tour I talked about where we went to the Raiders game and the 49ers game in the same night. And we'd been to a Bears Thursday night game against the Giants where Eli Manning had had one of the worst nights of his life. And I think it was when they went 0-5 to start the season. And we interviewed Carl Long before and after the game. And he was an absolute delight. And I remember getting a little bit tipsy at that dinner. And towards the end of it, like about 10 o'clock-ish, maybe more than a little bit tipsy, hadn't spoken to Howie Long at this point, hadn't even introduced myself, hadn't done anything like that. And him and his wife were kind of just getting ready to go. And I went over and I was like, I just wanted to say that I was in Chicago in October and your son is one of the most lovely men I've ever met while doing this job. And <laughs> even though only one of his sons was playing in Chicago at that point, Howie went, sorry, Crystal Kyle. <laughs> Uh, Kyle? <laughs> he went, oh, yeah, he's a good kid. He's a good kid. And I've always thought to myself, does that mean he doesn't like Chris? Because I've always got the impression that Chris Long's a great guy. But, yeah. <laughs> Just my weird, Chris, ridiculous story. If you'd said Chris, would you think he would have said, like, oh, no, I don't know what you're talking about. Or something. <laughs> Sorry, who? Chris who? Uh, yeah, so that's my ridiculous meeting Howie Long story. Well, well you've been there. Uh, Sorry, yeah, Michael, I've got to ask one follow-on to that. Sorry, one follow-on, which is you, you're at these dinners and you're meeting all the various NFL players. As you, you know, the Irish NFL show is about the bit of crack as well, and some of these guys look like good fun to have a drink with. We had Rich Eisen on. He was talking about watching a game in, in the UK with Michael Irvin. I was kind of amazed he survived the, the position, actually, and survived the evening with Michael Irvin. Who, out of all the guys you've met, Carl Long, Chris Long, you know, all these guys might be in the mix, Who's the best crack? Who can you have a beer with and you've had a bit of fun with? When the uh, cameras are off, shall we say? 
actually that night, Mark Duplass was really good fun that night. Terrell Davis was it was a weird one because I chatted to him a bit about football, but the only non-football conversation I had with him was trying to explain to him what a Yorkshire pudding was before dinner came. And so it's kind of like a savoury pancake, but they bake it and he's like, just nothing. Just washed over him. Uh, guys I'd love to go for a beer with. Um, Scott Fajita, the former uh, Saints linebacker, who's a guy that we got on very early. And he's got some phenomenal stories with the, you know, everything that he's done, you know, with the foundation and going and retiring on Machu Picchu. And uh, he's a real cool, like Cal, like a typical Cal Berkeley kind of guy. And uh, we had a lot of fun when we went out with him. I'm trying to think, like, there's some, probably some nights that, we shouldn't talk about, but um, <laughs> I, I like, I mentioned them earlier, but uh, yeah, it, it hit me pretty hard early this year when, when Chris Westling passed away, because those guys were always so kind to us. Whenever we went out to the States, like we hit them up to go and visit them, go drinking with them, met them at Super Bowls. I remember like interviewing Dan at the first ever Super Bowl I went to and now we get them on our shows quite a lot. And Greg, like, you know, Greg does a lot of work with us with the Nat Coombs show and stuff like that. And Chris used to do a lot of work with us. And I can remember like going out and anytime we'd be out there, I'd just, you know, drop a message and be like, right, we're heading out. What are you guys available? And it would always be, yes, dinner. Let's go to this bar. Let's do these things. Let's, and those are some of the like best memories I've had of some of the best friendships I've formed definitely of, of covering it. So as much as there's some pretty cool players that, you probably want me to turn around and say, yes, X, Y, and Z was the sort of person I'd want to go for a beer for. Those those times were the ones that I remember really fondly. Is there anyone else I can think of that really screams out to me, though? Mm, maybe. I, I'll think about it, and I'll tweet you, and I'll tell you, because there's definitely some more. There's good, it'll, I'll get to bed tonight, and I'll remember. Oh, do you know who was a great crack? Uh, yeah, definitely, definitely. I know you've got uh, Cheltenham first thing in the morning talking a bit about Willie Mullins and all those fantastic Irishmen and women as well. Very quickly, though, I should have asked this at the start, just finally, Will, can you tell, maybe just viewers in Ireland, I know a lot of viewers in Ireland, NFL fans in Ireland, are going to know a good iron, but if you had to maybe explain it to people that might not have seen it before, uh, what's the history there? You've obviously built up very well over the last few years, got magazines now online and offline. Even just a brief history before you go on, on Gridiron before we go. Yeah, so Gridiron, I, again, story time. I'm so bad at this. I can't tell things shortly. You can't ask me to do things quickly. We went to a, a ridiculous press. We went to a ridiculous press event back in 2013 when, before the Steelers came over and they had that game with the Vikings at, at Wembley back in, I think that was 2013, maybe 2014. And in the summer, they brought Big Ben over and he had photos in front of Big Ben. And then we got to do kind of a press conference round table style thing with him afterwards. You know, everyone got to ask two or three questions and it was really nice. And he, he kind of came and he did it. And it was, you know, it was all you know, good crack. But that's when I first met Matt Sherry, who is the creator of Gridiron Magazine and maybe the most self-assured human being I've ever met in my life. And I love him to pieces. But he said to me, oh, yeah, I'm starting an NFL magazine. And I felt like going, you know what year it is, right? You understand that print media has been dead for a long time. Like, I get it if you're doing an online magazine or a podcast or a YouTube channel. No, I'm creating a print magazine. And he was working for PA as a Northern Football Report at that point. And I, I didn't believe it was possible. For him to get to the point now where it's completely self-sustaining, where it makes money from the advertising, where it gets great numbers from the 
from the subscriptions that it gets with the podcast as well, where they're really starting to build up nicely on their YouTube and everything as well on top of that. And the, the company's now expanded out the same from the Gridiron Group, we now uh, do the Good, the Bad, and the Rugby comes out from the same company as ours does. Um, Rob Bryden's next project is coming out with us. I don't know if I'm allowed to tell you that, but it is. So um, if it's not been announced, there's an exclusive for you. Uh, <laughs> I won't give you any more information before I get in trouble. Um, like there's, they've done a phenomenal thing, and the quality and the reason it's been so good is the quality is astonishingly good. The writing, I don't do any writing. I want to be clear on that when I say it. The writing is phenomenal. The research is phenomenal. Matt's book is brilliant. So the magazine is so worth checking out, whether in the print version or the online version. I like to think the podcast is pretty good as well, but um, I am quite lazy, so maybe it's not. Uh, and uh, yeah, we, we just have a lot of fun with it and we love getting out there and meeting fans and stuff. And, and so if anyone wants to give it a try and let us know, then we'd love to hear from you. At Gridiron on Twitter, at UK Gridiron on Instagram, all that stuff. <laughs> Brian, do, do you want to round this off? Uh, no, no, we're good to go. You go for it, Michael. Yeah. Okay, okay, fair enough. Well, it's been great crack. It's just gone for 20 minutes. Ended up being nearly an hour. Massively appreciate your time, man. We'll get you on again. Hell. Definitely. Definitely. Boys. We'll do it again, 100%. Hopefully, we're having uh, a few pints after a London game in November. Who knows? Thanks for your time, man. Appreciate you. Have, have a good night, across. all the best. Cheers, guys. Thanks, Thank you so much. Thanks Thank for having me on, guys. Cheers, well. Cheers. He was great, boys. He was great. Sorry, Brad. I thought you were going to round off. Apologies. Apologies. No, no problem. Sorry. It's it's been a long week, very long week. And thanks a million to Will there, boys. Uh, good crack. I'm I'm pooped. I'm pooped. And we're doing this again tomorrow night, aren't we? Yeah, yeah, indeed, yeah, Michael. It's been so much news. We have to. We have to. We haven't even covered like all the drama in the last two days. We had Paul on last night, obviously for our Paddy's Day special, and we're all there tonight. And we touched on Trent Williams, but well, Mister O'Leary's been keeping an eagle eye on all the transactions, and there's certainly still been plenty of business going on in the NFL. Yeah, uh, and Michael's Michael's favourite son, uh, Mister Trubisky, won't be going to Denver. He signed a deal in Buffalo, so I'm sure you're quite relieved. My God. Well, I'm yeah. quite annoyed today, actually. But I mean, if you want a rant, they can have a rant. Well, I was actually interested to hear your point of view because it's a player that isn't high on the, I suppose, on the names that go around for people who follow the league. But Philip Lindsay, in particular, from Denver's point of view, um, has been a to me has been a really solid running back. And I was surprised on a touch base with Collins this afternoon when I saw the news that he's been released. So it's probably not one of the bigger stories of the day. But from a Broncos point of view, I would I would have thought you'd be quite surprised to see him go. I'm really. Is a disgrace. I don't understand why Melvin Gordon is the better option long term for the team. Watch him go to the 49ers, the Cardinals, or a different team and ball out. And how stupid are they going to look at that happens? Or maybe the Giants. Here, didn't the Giants get a former Bronco today? Fonte Booker. And we got him during the day. And it's funny when we did a show uh, last week, you suggested that the Giants might be in on Kyle Rudolph. And I, I kind of, I, was, I wouldn't say I laughed at it because I felt he would be more. A player of the Patriots to go after, so I was quite surprised and happy to see that the Giants have picked them up to Stephen for a two-year deal. Quite a player that we need, has the experience, good tight end, can be helped to team. But the big one is in the offing. It's Galladay, and uh, I might have that Madonna song ready for tomorrow night. Please, God. Forget about the Madonna song. What about the song? Who was it? He went to went to holiday. Does he rascal? Is it holiday? But you could do Galladay. I want you out tomorrow morning in the field. 
well, not really in a field in Dublin. You don't have fields anymore because it's too expensive to farm down there. We, uh, we, we haven't had a good water saving in a long time, so I might even do a Paul Paps thing at one in the morning and slip outside in my undies and scream. The God. Uh, <laughs> okay. Yeah, here, that was great. Crack last night. Call him, wasn't it? Yeah, oh, look, uh, a man of numerous, uh, a myriad uh, stories. I'd say we barely scratched the, the surface. I think you could probably bring Paul on um, every night of the week and you'd still have, have stories, you know, 40 days on. He was, uh, he was brilliant. But, um, I mean, that's, that's the interesting thing. But this week we've had plenty of stories, but also um, all of the, the signings that we, we have seen happen. And again, as Will was saying, there are so many guys that aren't going to get signed this week. Um, this is going to play out for the next little while. Uh, the draft is coming up. You're going to see teams see, did they get what they what they want in the draft? And then probably pick, pick up guys. We saw Cam obviously go to the Patriots last year, went there late. I think you'll probably see even more of that this year as guys sign um, you know, one year, one year deals because that TV deal today tells you like that that uh, salary cap is going way up. Um, the the owners have had their their way. I think Will was saying what he he'd probably go over two hundred million maybe next year. Each team gets three hundred million just from broadcast, just from broadcast, and all they're spending is two hundred on the the salary cap. Teams are laughing at this, and we the seventeenth game I imagine um, come the end of the month is now a formality that that will be in place. And bear in mind that it's the, it's the owners who are voting for that seventeen game haven't got it in the CBA already in place. It is very much a formality. So Super Bowl will be Valentine's weekend next year. So beautiful. That's my wife's birthday yeah. weekend as well. Even better, she'll love LA. And uh, you, you, you might be here. You might be here. You might be with us celebrating. Could be anywhere. Mark, I, I have a question for you. Historic day yesterday, obviously the first virtual uh, Shamrock meeting between President, well, President Biden, who's basically from Carlingford, which is closer to me than any of you boys are right now. Uh, very good appearance from the boys yesterday. Um, no. Saw that, Michael. You know, it's good to see he's got quality on the background, yeah? Yeah, I thought it was a good hit, but uh, good fun. Still can't get Donny O'Sullivan on here. Like, this is a public plea to Donny. Please come on. Back in the, I can actually send you hobnobs, which these boys can't even get. So uh, feel free to come on. Any final words, boys? Because I am on zero. I know there's so much to talk about. Well, we've got Friday Night Lights tomorrow. Yeah, Michael, I will say, and like uh, Paul, uh, sorry, like Paul has said, like Will was saying, like Collins just said, and everything, we're now going to start to see some of the value deals. Like, so some of the deals they're going through, even today, you start to go, geez, that's a bloody good price to get that. I mean, the Dolphins, they picked up Justin Coleman at two and a half mil on a one-year deal. That's a win-win for both sides. Justin Coleman was overpaid in Seattle, but he's a solid slot corner. Um, there is no doubt he's a solid slot corner. And that money, you know, that makes a hell of a lot of sense. And there's going to be more of those deals of people having to take low-market deals, lots of one-year deals or maybe two-year fake deals. Uh, and we are going to actually be standing in a couple of weeks and saying, he signed for that? How, how did the Chiefs get him at that price? How did the Packers get him at that price? And kind of feeling a little bit sickened. Um, but the rich will get richer because they will be able to fill their teams with quality players on top, obviously, of cheap draft talent. I will say the Justin Coleman pickup does start to get me worried if I'm a Dolphins fan that Brian Flores can only pick up players that used to play for him under the Patriots at some point. He's also picked up Adam Butler and everything. Um, but even the Pats picking up Carl Van Noy today as well. 
after being cut by the Dolphins. You know, now you see the tactical stuff. Now you see the the the, the really interesting roster construction on good value um, coming through into the free agency in the follow, following weeks before the draft. Um, and you know, it gets even more interesting. Like I kind of you know, is it not September already, guys? I want to get to see some of these on the field and playing some games. Colin? I, the interesting thing for me was obviously Patrick Peterson has gone to the Vikings, one of the standout corners around the league um, for the better part of a, a decade. Uh, Vikings had all sorts of problems um, last last year on the defensive side of the ball. They brought a guy in who has incredible experience. I keep banging the drum about bringing in leaders and bringing in that experience. I think he is a brilliant pickup for them. I think he'll bring a wealth of experience and uh, they can think you know they can only get get better from um, the disaster that they had last year. So um, definitely, if um, if they continue to roll on um, on offense, and obviously they've lost Kubiak, but they have uh, Kubiak Junior in there. Um, they if they can improve on defensive side, the Vikings should be competitive. But it's the Vikings. The intriguing piece for me is the wider receivers. We we touched on earlier in the week. We were. Slightly surprised that none of them were jumping off the board so quickly, but gradually as the days have gone on, we're starting to see them come off now. Corey Davis to the Jets, Curtis Samuel going to uh, Washington from the Panthers, you know, re- reuniting with his old coach and his old general manager now, who's now gone from Carolina to Washington. And as well this evening, a very interesting one, Will Fuller uh, signing for the, for the Dolphins. So, yeah, Mark, you're right to a certain extent, I suppose. They were going down the Pages route, so happened to go in a very good wide receiver. Um, who certainly will be a big difference for them because that's what they need as well. So yeah. hopefully, hopefully the Galladay is the next big one to drop off on that side. Yeah, he will definitely stretch the field. And uh, we were talking about him on Tuesday. AJ Green has gone to the cards. So there you go, Colin. He's going to make JJ Watt to be truthful and he's going to end up turning him into a Super Bowl winner. And if he gets anything back to his previous sense with DeAndre Hopkins there, maybe Larry Fitz doing another year, it makes it a very dynamic wide receiver set. Look, all I can say, and guys, it's been a long week or a long night already, but tomorrow night we'll be back hard at it, 10 a.m., brand live, uh, uh, to give you all the latest news. It's been an amazing week. 10 a.m.? Jesus, Pat. 10 a.m. Monday, Friday, I don't know what day it is anymore, but 10 p.m. then we'll be back on to give you all the latest free agency news and our news and views on it. Been an absolute pleasure, gents, and until, well, this time, maybe not 10 a.m., but this time next uh, next night, bid you all be due. <laughs> Boys, in the words of NSYNC, bye, bye, bye. Bye, bye, bye.